Blog Talk Radio. So 
the first thing, uh, I have a topic that I've come up with this evening. It's called Finding Purpose Despite the Pain. But I always want you guys to realize that the purpose of this is for you guys to call in and comment, ask your questions. If you have any issues, um, if you have something you need to discuss, that is what the purpose of this is. I have found quickly, though, it's good to have a topic to start the conversation. And, uh, and so, but if you call in, um, don't hesitate to call in the number. If you're watching it on any of my social media uh, streaming live, I have the number to call in uh, scrolling across the bottom of the screen. Uh, for those that aren't watching it and just listening, I'll just give you the number. Um, it is 646-595-2118, 646-595-2118. And uh, so our purpose, our topic tonight is finding purpose despite the pain. Now, I was, I put a post on the NASCA Facebook group asking people what their biggest obstacle was to their recovery, to what is the biggest obstacle, what is hindering them the most. And I got a lot of replies and a lot of responses. Some of them were big paragraphs long. Some of them were just a few words. Um, but the majority of them were centered around the fact that they had suffered this great pain and almost like they didn't know what to do with it now. What do I do now? Well, that's kind of what tonight's topic is about, finding purpose despite the pain. Because unfortunately, I would like to say that I have the ability to wave some kind of magic wand and all of your pain has been taken away from you. That this person or persons that have abused you um, never happened. It never happened. And these people turned out to be saints and wonderful people and never hurt you at all. But that's not reality. So what can we do? I, I can't take away the pain, but I can show you some t uh, some tips and give you some tools on how to work through the pain and come out the other side going from victim to vitality and that's that's what my whole purpose with joining NASA is I want you to know that you have suffered a great horrendous wrong you're not the only person but you are such a valuable human being you don't want to destroy the rest of your life or allow the pain to destroy your, the rest of your life. We want you to rise up like a phoenix and come back and find strength and vitality and find a way to live again because they took too much from you already. They didn't have a right to take what they already took from you. So let's find a way to get you through, get you finding your life's purpose, finding your mission, and, and moving through life uh, with a sense of purpose. Now, there's six basic human needs, and uh, I've studied these and several different people have talked to them, but in psychology, there's six basic human needs. The one, first one is certainty. And then we don't want everything to be too certain or we'll get bored, so we need variety. We need to feel significant. We need love and connection with other humans. We need to have a, a feeling of growth, and we need to have a feeling of contribution. 
that's where the purpose comes in. So this is literally talking to the very core of what humans need, um, even subconsciously, because I don't go through my day thinking, okay, I need to be certain about some things, but I'm not too certain that I'll get bored. I, we don't think about these things. This is how our habitual nature works. So we want to take these topics and figure out how, how can we help you get to uh, a fulfilling life again. How can we, there's an old kind of a, a folk song called Learning How to Live Again, Walking Down the Road with a Friend. Um, that is where we are at this point. Um, in my life, I'm ha I've gone through some more trauma. It wasn't the type of trauma that this group's about, um, but as an adult, I've just went through another year, a year and a half worth of serious trauma. But the deal is, is I'm having to learn how to live again. And so I'm going through these processes that I have studied so hard and I'm implementing them myself. So when I talk to you, uh, I don't want you to think that I'm somebody that has it all together. Uh, I'm somebody that is struggling in the trenches as well. And I've, I've stepped up a little bit and I'm reaching back to help you up. That's what we need to do. And that's what I absolutely love about NASA. They, they are a community of people that have been traumatized and hurt terribly, but they have reached another step. So they're coming back to reach and grab those that are down and pulling them up with them. And I love that. There's, there's, uh, there's a sense of community here. And so do we have anybody on the line that wants to comment? I've got a few people showing, um, watching through my different channels. Uh, Annie, do we have anybody? We do. We have a lot of people called in. Let's begin with Carol, who's Vice President of NASCA. Carol, would you like to speak? Hi, Carol. Jim. Hi, Heidi. Yeah, I thought I was running the show tonight, but something happened. That's fine, because... I just got my phones together, <laughs> so I would have been a little bit late anyway, so it's funny how things work out. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a very good topic, you know, Sonova, and so often people don't know how to go about even to begin to get their lives back together. I was reading an article today that's very similar to what you're talking about here. Um, a lot of times people stay in situations because of kids or children, you know, the money situation, they can't stay, they'll be on their own, and they don't know how to get started over again. So they stay in abusive situations um, because they don't know what else to do. So yeah. that's what I was looking at today. And so what you're talking about here is, uh, you know, we do deserve better. We have been abused. Mm -hmm. We have gone through all different kinds of, of abuse. And many times it carries over into adulthood. And that's not fair. It's not right. And uh, you don't have to. See, that's the point. Right. So um, that's all I have to say right now because I was busy working on the phone that I'm now speaking in. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what happened. Yeah. I paid my bill. I paid it. Yes, I did. I don't know what's wrong. Okay, go ahead. I'll catch up with you. Go ahead. Okay, thank you, now, Carol. Um, hi. Who else do we have online? We oh, have online. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying I'm here too, Lori. Um, I was listening to you. And I think uh, you sound fresh, right, uh, new. Um, 
I think that you're actually going to accomplish what your goal is. Uh, I know it's early still for you, but I'm on the other end of it, and I can look back, and I like it. I'm liking what I'm hearing with you. Yeah. Well, thank so, you. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> hello, Laura. <laughs> thank you for coming on. Hey, it's Cricket. Thanks, Lori. You... Oh, you're very welcome. Hi, Cricket. Hey. Mm-hmm. Sonova, I love the topic. Um, it kind of made me remember something my father always said. And, and when you're saying, you know, what you need in life, like the five things that my father told me, we didn't have any of it. <laughs> love, yeah. a bed, um Food, and I forget what the other two, but nothing that we actually got from our parents. Yeah. But and there's so was... many people like that nowadays. So many people. The children uh, need these things, and the parents either can't provide them or won't provide them or doesn't have it within themselves to provide them. You know, um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think this is going to be a good topic for everyone. Thank you for signing on, Cricket. Of course. Well, Thank Phyllis you, is Cricket. next to the line there. Yeah, Phyllis hey. is. <clears throat> yeah. Hello, I'm going down the line today. here, but I'm going to let I'm going to let Annie uh, run the show. I was supposed to run it tonight, but like I said, something was wrong with my phones. I saw it in the lorry earlier, and I don't know what the heck happened. But I did see a truck outside. <laughs> So there's trouble. But anyway, so if you lose me, it's not because I hung up. It's because there's there's trouble in the lines here. So, uh, Philip, you're next in line. Do you want to? Do you have a comment you'd like to make? Hello. How's everybody doing? Hello. Hello. What was your name? <laughs> Philip. Philip. Yeah, that was a very encouraging introduction. Great. Now I'm sorry. Uh, I couldn't hear my phone cracked. What was your name again? Okay, perfect. Okay. I try to write everyone's name down just because I I forget. And Anne, I'm sorry, I I can't remember. Do you go by Annie or Anne? I go by Annie. Okay. All right, because I always try to – I want to be able to to connect with people, and if you can't even remember their names – then it's hard to connect with people. And I was like, oh, so I, I have a lot of uh, ADHD issues, and so I'm like, okay, I write them down because if I don't, I will forget them. So, But I want this to be a personal experience for you guys. I want you guys to see that there is something else, there is hope on the other side of trauma. Um, there will always be pain. And this is something that, you know, a lot of motivational gurus, they'll be like, think positive, think positive, it's not there. And that's not the way it works. There will always be pain. But what we can do is actively work on our response to that pain. So every time that memory flies through our mind, we have a choice of how we're going to respond to it. And we get into such a trauma cycle that we automatically respond in, in the wrong way, and we go through that trauma cycle again, and our bodies fill with cortisol again, and we get stressed, and, and we, we don't realize and we're not taught in schools that we have the power to actively 
change that cycle. We're, you know, unless you start studying how the brain works and psychology and all these things, which a lot of people don't, um, we're not taught that we have control of that. We're not taught that we can literally redirect and we, uh, rewire those, uh, those neural circuits in our minds and our brains to, to go the other way. And so if we can get to the point where we can start retracing those, those neural pathways and getting them to go to a different direction and to a different response, then we can literally have that painful memory come through our head and we can literally automatically redirect our thoughts to something else more positive. And that can become an automatic behavior just like this trauma cycle has become an automatic behavior. So when we get to the, that point, we don't even have to think about it anymore. Our subconscious takes control of it. And although the memory is still painful, Although the thing that happened to you that hurt you so bad is still painful, you have taught your brain to literally recycle and, uh, that, whole, that whole neural pathway and go a different direction so you don't suffer as much. I can't take the pain away, but I can help you with the suffering. And that's where um, I felt the call to go into uh, what I do now anyways because I felt like, there's people who are hurting, and I have the tools to do it and to help, but I, uh, you know, dealing from my own trauma uh, from childhood and on, I had to deal with the inferiority complex, um, and if you notice, I have changed my verbiage there. I say the inferiority complex because I used to label it as mine. I don't label it as mine. I fight this thing that... I'm like, who are you to be, uh, you know, a coaching or helping somebody else? Who are you? You know, and I'm like, well, I've studied this and I've got all these certificates and all this and, you know, but still that trauma stands there like this shadow in my mind trying to say, you're not good enough. And I'm thinking, okay, well, who is? Who is? Who else studies 10,000 hours, you know, 20,000 hours. Who does that? Not very many people. So at least I can, I started out, I took the first step into finding my purpose, not by having faith in me. I took the first step in finding my purpose, having faith in my study. I literally studied uh, 10,000 hours in an 18-month period once. Somebody, uh, and I study like that all the time. Somebody just told me to, to write it down because they were curious how much I studied. And uh, I'm like, I'm a nerd. I can't help it. No, actually, I was a mother going through some serious trauma trying to figure out what was wrong with me so I could help my kids not have to go through that. And so... I, uh, when I, when I started this, I was trying to find my purpose and I was constantly being bombarded with that old trauma sequence of who are you? You don't have, you know, you didn't go to Harvard. You didn't go to Yale. You didn't go to here. You, you, you were born on the wrong side of the tracks. You had the wrong last name. All those negative things. But I found a way to step through all those, through that huge cloud of negativity, and that's really what it is, you know. We think that all these things coming to us are solid, secure, real, tangible objects. You know, we think 
you're not good enough. Okay, that's real fact. It's a cloud. You know what you can do to a cloud? You can put your hand through it. You can walk through it. You can, you can step through it. Now, even the, the worst storms on this, on this earth, if you can get in an airplane and you can get up high enough, the sun's still out there doing its thing. You can literally get above those clouds and see that everything's okay. And if we can get you guys to push through that cloud of, of all of those negative programs, all of those inferiority, already complex things, all of those things, then you'll see that it's a cloud too. There isn't anyone better. You, you know, I have my own way of doing these things. I'm not like Tony Robbins. He has a whole different story, you know. He doesn't do things like I do. I don't do things like he does. That doesn't mean that I'm not as good as that guy. That doesn't mean he's not as good as me. We are both human beings taking what we have, trying to share it to the world and help somebody else. Now, what I have is different than a lot of people because I, you know, I'm, I'm a southerner. I try my best to, to, to fix my, my language as best as I can. You'll find me stumbling over my words. I do that a lot when I'm in pain and when I'm not feeling well um, because I have health problems. I have fibromyalgia that I have to fight. I have, uh, you know, seven different spinal injuries in, uh, in my spine. So I have things that I have to fight but I have found a purpose, and it pulls me through those things. And that's why I want you guys to find your purpose. Now, I had something, and this sounds pretty intense. So I kind of cleaned it up and softened it up a little bit, but I'm going to give you the intense one first, and then we'll go and we'll, 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 we'll tame it down. I had someone ask um, in a book that I was reading, they said, if you die today, what would be written in your eulogy, and would you be proud of it? Would they have anything to say, or would they just list all of the relatives there that you don't even know? And the way they said it, it really hit me hard, and I thought, wow, um, my eulogy would say, you know, mother, wife, uh, what else would it say? Would it say trauma victim? Would it say... Uh, fibromyalgia uh, victim, would it say, I wouldn't want all those things in my eulogy. And then the guy turns around and says, why don't from today on you take charge of your life and you write your own eulogy and then you live up to it. He said, so write it bigger. He said, don't write just what you've accomplished now. He said, go out, say you live 50 years from now. And he said, Take those, what would you love to accomplish? What's some big goals that you would love to do? Uh, what would you like it to be? Write it out, write out your own eulogy, and then spend the next 50 years trying to live up to it. And I thought, wow, that would be amazing. Even if you didn't reach all of the things that you wrote down, you would sure have a whole lot more to put in there then if you, if you just uh, went on the way you're going now and the way I'm going now and just let somebody else write your list of people that you're related to. And, and I say it that way because 
90% of my family, I don't even know. So I'm sitting here going, you can list them, but okay, you know. Um, I don't want my eulogy to sound that way. I don't want my eulogy to be say, so-and-so died, she left two kids and a husband, and then here's a bunch of relatives. I wanted to say something. She tried to change people's lives. She helped everyone that she could. She, you know, she wrote books that helped people. She gave seminars that helped people. She did this, she did I want my eulogy to say something. And so I changed it a little bit because to me eulogy is kind of triggering at the moment because I have lost 16 people. Uh, I, I had a season of loss where I lost in uh, two and a half years, I lost 18 or 17 people. And uh, so eulogy kind of hit me hard. So I changed it to mission statement, okay? Now you guys just heard the mission statement of NASCA. Why? NASCA has a very specific purpose. It is about one type of trauma that is got a stigma to it that people don't want to talk about, okay? So NASCA's main purpose was just read to you, and it's read to you before every show. Why? We want the audience to know exactly what we're about. We want the audience to know what we're trying to accomplish. Now, what if every single one of you that's listening to this or watching or listening to a replay what if you took time to sit down and wrote out your mission statement? Now, make it 10, 15 years in the, in the, you know, everyone, we want everyone to live to 100. So however many years it is till you're 100, what do you want to accomplish in there? What do you want someone to say about you? And I'm not talking about your best friend. I'm talking about someone, random person in the community, someone that lives in your, uh, in your apartment complex, somebody that, you know, knows you by proxy, what would they say about you, okay? Now, we don't want to take this to the negative and try to say, well, that person's going to say negative this and this and this, and that person's going to judge me about this. I'm not wanting you to go that way. I'm wanting you to think, what are you going to leave behind? What kind of name are you going to leave behind? Because, unfortunately, none of us live forever. Now, uh, we can go off into all kinds of esoteric themes uh, talking about the spirit of a, a person, but we won't go in there. We want to talk about what is your purpose and how do you find it. We want to find a purpose in life because down at the core of our being, we need a purpose. We need a reason to keep going. We need a reason to fight through the pain, push through that cloud of negativity and find the sunlight again. We need it. If we don't have a purpose, we don't grow. And if we don't grow, we begin to die from the inside out. There is a universal law that people don't talk about. It's called create or disintegrate. Now you take an acorn and you set it up on a shelf in your dark closet it's going to deteriorate, it's going to die, it's going to turn into dirt, okay? You take that same acorn, you put it in the ground, you get it in enough water and sunshine, and it will not just produce another acorn, it will produce a huge tree that's going to cover and, uh, uh, you know, and shade people on picnics. It's going to be home for all kinds of little animals. It's going to bring life to everything that it touches. It's going to recycle the oxygen so humans can last longer on this place. 
So this is what we want us to do. I believe every one of you is an acorn. And if you are planted in the right manner and you grow and you have enough sunlight and you have enough water, you can become something great and you and your life will touch everything around you. Okay, see, it's not just about you. It's about you and all of your circle because you don't know how many people are watching you. You don't know how many people are needing you to heal so you can help them. See, there's a lot of hurting people out there, and if you can look through your cloud of chaos and reach out for somebody else and help them, it helps you too, okay? So do we have any anybody else on the line that wants to comment? I'm going to take a break and get a drink. Okay, first of all, I want to say something. Um, Annie has asked, she called in. It's a good thing she did because she started the show. Uh, I was having problems here. But um, she has an animal that's very sick, and I can relate to that because mine is just as sick almost. So she's going to sort of like this... Um, tend to her animal so that's that's fine and i wish her all the best with that that makes me sad because i love my cat too okay (laughs) so anyway yeah yeah but i like what you're saying sonova i really do and and i i'm at peace now maybe it's because i'm older Mm -hmm. than everybody oh my god who me i said it but anyway look (laughs) uh, i have this thing about age i don't ever want to get old you know what i'm saying but um yeah at this point in my life, I know what my purpose is, okay? So I'm always, um, I, I know where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be here, and I'm also supposed to work with the homeless, which I do periodically. And that keeps me happy. So mm-hmm. today I'm a happy person. Um, and all the things that happened in the past, all those negativities, all those things that brought me down. Um, I used to do a lot of self-talk. A lot of us do that. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and self-talk can be either positive or it can be negative. And yep. unfortunately, at one time, I used to do a lot of negativity type of talk, and I was always a very unhappy person, um, although I wouldn't show it because I'm the clown, right? Everybody knows me as the clown. <laughs> you, know, you turn the clown upside down, and what do you have? You have a frown, right? So yeah. um, with me, that was my case, whereas today, through years of study, because I do the same thing you do, I do a tremendous amount of research for uh, NASCA, which everybody knows mm-hmm. about, and um, yeah. and I do have a, quite a bit of schooling too. So between the two, but at one time that didn't matter. I needed to have more purpose, and that's how I got into the mm-hmm. research. So yeah. I know where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do, and so I can live alone. I prefer to live alone. No more nasty mouths coming out to, at me, mm-hmm. screaming, yelling, all this other stuff, all the things that you're called when you have a bad spouse. Without going into right. uh, detail, and yeah. um. Yeah, and that makes me happy, number one. I think it's a matter of learning how to look at yourself and what you want to be. There's nothing wrong with making goals, as long as the goals are not set too high. It's like baby steps in the beginning, okay? And I agree with everything that you said, and um, we all need a purpose because I believe that if I didn't do what I do today, if I wasn't the night owl for NASCAR, um, people think I'm nuts. I don't care what they think. See, I've changed all that. I don't care what people think about me. Right. 
And uh, so, therefore, I will continue to do, you know, the, what I, the type of work that I do because it makes me happy. It fulfills me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, and that's I know what, what I'm supposed need. to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, well, this is what I, this is kind of what I like about the NASCAR uh, community is because you have people in various phases of recovery and then you, you always come across some that have, um, that haven't got, they haven't even looked at recovery. They're still in that fresh, uh, uh, wounded stage and all they need is to know somebody cares. You know, and then you've got some that have been through, uh, been through the fryer and have walked out the other side. They've found their reason, their purpose, and they reach back into the flames for other people. And that's, that's what I love about, about this community. Um, I'm going to give you guys another little analogy and, uh, let you guys think about this. Um, now, I would like to ask you guys, a question and then I'm going to tell you a little story. So what would you love to be put in your eulogy? What would you love to be in your mission statement? What would you love to accomplish in your life? So think about that and uh, don't let yourself talk yourself out of it. I just want that random crazy thing. I want you to think about that while we talk about this. So I'm going to go and uh, I'm going to go on a trip, and I'm going to go to the airport, and I have purchased a ticket. I have gone through the bag check. I have gone through everything. I'm finally seated in my seat. Uh, You know, I'm buckled in. They've done all of the hoopla over the sound system, and we are taking off. We're flying down the runway about ready to get airborne, and then I find out something. The pilot has no idea where he wants to go. He has no idea where he's going. He has no purpose, no destination in mind. And I get on there, and I am wanting to go to Paris, okay? He has no destination in mind. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know how to get there. Now, he has no idea that I'm wanting to go all the way to Paris, So, obviously, he doesn't have enough provisions for that. He doesn't have enough fuel for that. We have no route mapped out on this exchange. I've got to change planes here and go here and, you know, I've got this stop here and that. We have nothing planned out. I have gone out and paid my hard-earned money to do this, and I'm sitting here in the air. Do you think that plane is going to get to Paris? It's an absolute no. Now, here's the thing. (coughs) We go through life the same way. We get in this chair. Unfortunately, we don't pay to be here. We are just born here. We come here, and then we sit in that seat. One moment. (coughs) Mm. You okay? Yes, I I, uh, choked on air. Give me just a moment. Okay. So we are here on this earth, and we don't know what we're supposed to do. We don't know where we're supposed to go. We don't have a roadmap. We have this ticket in our hand, 
and it doesn't even have a destination written on it. We get into our lives and storms hit us. Now, we're in the air and a big storm comes in and it rocks the plane and it knocks it off of its course, okay? That storm mm-hmm. could have been a childhood abuse. Then we finally get our plane flying again and level and we're, we're spinning out of control and then we finally get it leveled and ready and flying what we think is straight again. And then, oh my gosh, here comes something up. And it beats us off on this side and the course is that way. What's going to happen to our plane? We don't have a purpose. We don't have anything designed or planned out. We have no goals. We have no destination in mind. Our plane is going to end up, it's going to end up crashed in the ocean and all of its pieces are going to wash up on some kind of island somewhere. Why? Because when you have a destination in mind, the plane is off course. I think I read something 70% of the time the plane is off course because Mm -hmm. of the wind and the storms and everything. They can't go through storms, so they have to go around. You know, this is what life is. We are constantly off course, okay? But when the pilot has a destination in mind, the course, they do something called course correction. They are constantly correcting the plane's course to get it back online, to get it back on track, because those winds are constantly knocking the plane out of, out of work, okay? Well, in life, we are the same way. If we don't have some kind of end goal destination in mind, we're constantly 70% of the time going to be beat to death around this way, that way, this way, that way with the wind, okay? But we have course corrections. We can bring things back in line with what our purpose is, what our goals are, as long as we have one. Now, if I tell the pilot, hey, wait a minute, I wanted to go to Paris, he's going to say, okay, first thing I need to do, I need to find out where I am now. Now, if he takes off from an airport in in Jeff City, Missouri, he's going to have to have a whole different course in mind versus if he takes off at an airport at an airport in New York, okay, because he's in two whole different places. So the first thing you need to do in finding your purpose uh, and your life's purpose and to find your goal and figure out what your, your makes you happy so you can get to the point like Carol said, she's like, this makes me happy. What makes her happy? She's found something that makes her grow. She's found a purpose, a reason something that she enjoys, something helping people. Well, she has that end goal, okay? Well, when we don't have a purpose, we don't have the destination of Paris marked out on our map, the pilot of this plane is is us. See, we're the passenger and the pilot, okay? We're also the one that's supposed to be doing the course corrections. We're the one that's supposed to map things out. We're supposed to be doing all this, and yet we don't even have a destination. So when you want to find your purpose, the first thing you need to do is figure out where you are. Okay? Where are you? Are you at the point of, of you're still in the fire trying to walk your way through it? Are you still, are you on the other side of the fire 
but you're so used to the trauma that you're not wanting to walk ahead. You want to stay right close to the flames where you're not burnt, but you're pretty warm. Okay? Because, see, sometimes that's what we do. That's a trauma cycle that we get into. We are so used to being in chaos and pain that we'll stick right close to it because at least we know how to deal with that. You know, it's not fun. It's not easy. But that's normal for us. Okay, so we've got to figure out where we are first and then get a purpose, get a life goal. What would you love to do? Now, I used to coach authors, and I told them, I said, what would you love to accomplish with your book? And the first thing that they would think of is they would get the, you know, the little girl uh, uh, mind would come in and be like, oh, I want rainbows and unicorns and all this, yeah. And then the adults would come in and say, you can't have rainbows and unicorns and you know it, okay? So I'm going to ask you tonight to get into that state of that childish innocence, the innocence that you had before the trauma, okay? Remember back before, if you can, get back into that childish state and say, what would you love? And I want you to think of something big and ridiculous, okay? Why? Because that childhood innocence, that is where the true you still resides. You see, we become adults. But as we become adults, we start taking on all of these limiting beliefs that we're told by society we start taking on all of these, you can't do this. We take on all of these labels that, you know, you can't do that because you don't have the right name. You don't have the connections. You, all these things we take on. And then while we're trying to carry this heavy load of negativity and limitations and lack, we're trying to daydream, okay? So we got to take all of that for a moment and set it to the side, and what is that little kid in you, what would you love, okay? What would you love to do? Uh, would you love to, you know, to to run a soup kitchen? Would you love to, to you know, to play basketball? Would you love, you know, whatever it is. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> uh, one of the coaches that I listened to, he said uh, he, said he had – one of his clients that just wanted to play sports professionally and absolutely that's all he ever wanted. And he got to a certain age and he had this accident and there was just no physical way he could do it. And so he was just depressed out of his mind. That's what he's always wanted, didn't know what to do with himself. And so finally he decided to open a sports shop. So he literally opened um, a store selling sporting goods. So for all of the teams, he sold jerseys, he sold all these things, and it kept him in the life that he wanted to be in, even though physically he couldn't do what he wanted to do. And he found that he loved it, and it grew to be one of the biggest uh, companies in the U.S. And so I'm thinking, did he fulfill his purpose? Absolutely. Did he have to redirect and course correct a little bit around a horrendous storm to still get there? Yeah, he did. You know, when you become, you know, disabled and you absolutely cannot play basketball, you've got to figure out something else. But that doesn't mean that you can't find something else that brings you joy. So I always tell people, 
find out what that little kid loves, okay, and just throw it out there. That That is just something that you need to keep in the back of your head. Now, am I ever going to go to Paris? No, ah, probably not. I probably won't go to Paris. But that's the destination in mind that I use, you know. One of my goals with my writing, you know, I've got all these books and I've got all these awards and, and got on the Discovery Channel and all this stuff. But my big end goal kind of in the back of my head, my, my destination that's over there, I want to be a New York Times bestseller, okay? Now, I've had a lot of things happen, and I've changed careers in the middle, and I've done this. I've gone around this storm, and I've had to course correct, and that storm and course correct, you know. Um, but that's still kind of my end goal destination, okay? And so this is what I want you guys to, to do. I want you to think, what would you love? Now, when I talked about purpose, I think it was the very first show that I was on, NASCA, I talked about um, something about purpose. It, the whole topic wasn't purpose, but it was something about purpose. And one lady told, said she, she got on the line and she said um, she is, uh, she's found purpose in her crafting. She's disabled and she couldn't do what she wanted to do, and she has found purpose in making beautiful crafts and beautiful art and sharing it with those that she loves. And, and you know, and so I'm like, that's wonderful. You, your big thing doesn't have to be um, a New York Times bestseller. Your big thing could be expressing your, your soul with your art and sharing it with the world. You know, that could be your thing. There's no right and wrong in your destination. Is there anybody else that on the line, Carol? Oh, yeah. Now, everybody's here. Um, Lori dropped off, um, and Cricket, or no, Cricket, no, Cricket's there. But Annie, is, like I said, is dealing with her cat, and that makes me feel sad. Yeah. Um, but, but um, yeah. Uh, anybody but, have but, a uh, comment they'd like to put in? Yeah, Cricket. Let, let's call on Cricket. Go ahead. Yeah, um. I mean, Sonova knows what I, because I said this before. I want the jet, I want the team, and I want to be able to fly across the country and go on searches and find all these missing people. And, of course, I'll always be helping kids. Um, and But right now, since I'm away from kids, the only kids that are close to me are across the street. So... I do some things with them sometimes just to keep myself sane. Yeah. Because I, I yeah. have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I call yeah. them a little now. Because um, I was just <laughs> talking to them the other day, and I uh, told them about the wood fairies. So mm-hmm. uh, they'll be looking for things outside. Because mm-hmm. I need that. Like, kids have always been part of my life, like, since yeah. I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far like, when you were talking, like, the, the little, that little kid, mm-hmm. I can't go there because I was never there. Mm-hmm. You know you what I mean? You need to imagine one. Yep. Yep. You need to imagine one, then. Imagine one. You already told me your little kid statement. You want a jet, and you want to be yeah. able to be one of teams. See, that comes from the little kid in you because the 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 mature adult is what my kids say because I'm, I'm goofy with my kids. 
I play and goof around with my kids because mm-hmm. I want my kids to remember happy things about mom. And so when my friend, my daughter had her, her little friend and her friend's brother, would, I would take them to the library to a little class. I would drive them all to a class. And I was always being goofy, talking about random nonsense kind of, you know, uh, type of, uh, um, trying to think of Dr. Seuss type things, just random crazy, just, you know, being goofy. And um, then we had to move. And I don't take them to that library class anymore. Now my daughter still sees her best friend every once in a while, but I, it's just out of, there's, it's just, I'm going the opposite way to to get them to get to the class, you know, so I can't I can't get them anymore. And uh my daughter's friend said uh uh her little brother missed riding with me because he never knew what kind of crazy thing I was going to be talking about, you know. Yeah. And uh, he missed the silliness in the conversation. Well, the thing is is that brings joy to you. Because when you're silly and goofy, um, it takes that inhibition off. You know, I talked about we collect all of those limits and, and all those all that negativity and drama and we're carrying it around as adults and we're if we could see ourselves emotionally and mentally, sometimes we look like, you know, hunchback because we're carrying too heavy of a load, you know. And so when you can break out of that and you communicate with some children and have fun and play with some kids, for those few minutes, you have set aside that adult, mature adult cricket that has been through all the trauma, that has collected all of the, all of the chaos. Um, you have set her aside and you've gone back to your, to your childhood true self. And so this is where, this is where it's so important that you do keep connection with with those with you know with your family and with the kids and because it it gives you a moment of peace that you don't have to worry about the bills when you're playing a board game with the kids at the table you're not worried about how you're going to pay the bills you know you're not worried about those things when you're fully immersed you are playing and that's what i feel like in that State, that was the ideal state that humanity was supposed to stay in. We weren't supposed to have all this trauma and chaos. But with all of the things in our world not being perfect, uh, we're hit with all of these things, and then we become the mature adult. And so sometimes I'll be goofy, and my kids will say something. I'll say, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be the mature adult. And it doesn't matter where I am in the house. I say that. I will hear my daughter scream from the other end of the house, no. Yeah, I know. Like with me, because um, I my childhood, I, I I was a robot. I had to just cope, adapt, whatever. When I went Survival to, yeah, when they sent me to the camp for the two weeks, that was the first time ever. Then I started waking up, mm-hmm. and then the, after I graduated, I started working there. And like I, I'm crazy. Like that, that, that's when the fun me came out. Because mm-hmm. I yep. didn't have, I didn't have an identity. Right. right. So 
you know, being with kids, helping kids, helping people, that, that, that's me. Yeah, and that's, that's great. I love it. Of course, Cricket and I, for those of you guys listening in, Cricket and I have known each other for quite a while, and Cricket um, is, has worked with me on, on some different things. Uh, we were, met each other back when, we were, when I was writing true crime stories and trying to help uh, people get their publicity for their stories. We met as victims advocates, um, and I have seen so much growth in you, though, Cricket, that I am, I'm so proud as a friend just to let you know uh, publicly that I'm proud of you because I have seen so much growth in you, and I am, I am so happy to, that you have come into my life because it has, it has enriched my life greatly to watch you grow, and I'm, I'm so thankful for you. So there's oh, you a little road now. <laughs> oh, and I can say the exact same thing about you. Because I, well, I've seen, you know, uh, you're gonna give, you're, you're gonna get there. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah. Well, the thing, the thing is, is we need to understand, and this is, you know, talking to the whole audience. Um, I believe, you know, like okay, now enough with the mush. That's what my dad would say if if he was listening. Enough with the mush. Well, the problem is, is we need some mush. We only give flowers to people after they're dead. Then we mourn and grieve and whine and cry. Oh, I miss him so much. But you never, you never told that person. That person will die and not even know that you love them, not even know that you care about them. And so I've always been one. You give people roses now. And then when they're gone, you have happy memories to think about. You don't have to give them all your roses after they're gone because you're mourning the loss of the fact you never told them in their life. So if you know somebody that you think needs a rose, I I highly recommend you call them and tell them because people need that kind of encouragement. You know, we need each other, and that's one of the – I won't say the worst thing about uh, the issue going on in the world um, a a couple years ago, but uh, one of the worst things was it isolated everybody. And as humans, we biologically need other humans, and that destroyed lives so much that people don't even realize we've got to have human interaction. We have to have it. We have to have that sense of community. So, but uh, I love it, Cricket. We're going to keep working towards your your purpose of getting that getting that. What did you say, a jet or did you say a helicopter? What you jet? Well, a jet's bigger, so yeah, I would can fall more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. it needs the team, the equipment. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. you know we want you to have one of those big, huge military, you know, things that we can fit everything you need in. And uh, we'll be like, we're going to find everybody. So, but, uh, so this is, this is the thing, though. We, uh, this is, it all goes back to the very first thing I talked about, how we have control over those thought processes, and we have control over how that trauma cycle plays out. When we have a thought of a painful memory, um, 
we we always go through it seems like the negative trauma cycle automatically well it's not technically automatic there is a point there that we can reprogram it to go another way and but this comes down to are we living proactively or reactively okay we are taught in life and what cricket was talking about her childhood um she had a very difficult childhood through the system uh, uh, because she she ended up being taken from her parents. Uh, and so she had a very traumatic situation at home, and then she had a very traumatic situation in the system that was supposed to protect her. So she had no no home and no protection either place. So she had to stay in survival mode. She had to stay in reactive mode just to survive. So instead of proactively trying to make life better, she had to just take as, uh, as it was coming to her. So when she was going through all of this, there was no way that she could proactively change things. So there is a purpose for being reactive and a purpose for being in survival mode. But the key is you need to, at some point, break away from that and start proactively living. And it's funny because I posted on Facebook a meme that I made, I don't know, several years ago. It's a quote by Dean Graziosi that says, stop being the thermometer and start being the thermostat. Well, basically the concept of that is is the thermostat just tells you what's going on. It just repeats whatever's going on. It's standing in the fire of chaos and saying, I'm in the fire of chaos. Okay, okay, that's not doing anything to change it. The thermostat controls the temperature around it, okay? The thermostat actively does something. It either turns the, the furnace on or it turns the air conditioning on to keep the temperature at whatever level you've set it at, okay? That's what a thermostat is. One is reactive and one is proactive. And then the funny thing is, is I visited this, this uh, little church out in the middle of nowhere because they play live music and they, and so my kids and I, we all play live music. So, so we go there periodically just to play with a whole group of people. And so we went there and the guy that got up to speak for the night, he said, are you a thermometer or a thermostat? And I was like, yes, I just posted that yesterday. You know, but this is, this is, thing to become proactive in our lives means that we have to actively place that destination we actively have to say okay I want that jet and that team so I can help find missing children okay so what does that mean her whole arch of, of you know her destination is basically Without the jet and without the team, she wants to help find missing kids, okay? Now, what if something came along in her life and she had the opportunity to find missing kids whether she had a jet or not, okay? She's going to take that opportunity. So it's not even about the jet. It's about helping find missing children, okay? Why? Because she had so much trauma in her childhood, she wants to help save other kids. She wants to help find those that are deceased and help parents that actually care about their kids have have some someone to to bury you know there she's wanting to help 
childhood trauma victim, okay? And so she, her overarching uh, destination isn't Paris. It's I want to help find missing children, okay? And so she has a purpose, and every time life hits her, she just course corrects back to that same purpose, okay? Now life has hit several different things, you know, um, in my life, and I just keep course correcting because I want to build, I, I told um, somebody, uh, that uh, a friend of mine, I told her, I said, I want to build a business. I want to get a New York Times bestseller. I want to build a business based on helping people. I know I can make a decent income if I did things differently. I could make a massive income if I did things differently. I don't care about that. I need to make an income to help keep the, you know, keep the lights on and to keep paying for my computer and my internet, you know, and basic things like that. But I know I can build a business on helping other people. I don't believe you have to have a business that takes advantage of people to be successful. And so that is my overarching theme. I want to be a New York Times bestseller, but I want to get there not by hacking the system, not by, uh, not by buying enough books of my own to, to do it, because all you have to do is you have to sell 10,000 books, and uh, they have to sell and ship within a week uh, within the U.S., and you can be on the New York Times bestseller. And I'm like, okay, well, I know a lot of people that have actually just bought their own books. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. How is that going to help anybody? That ain't going to help nobody. I have a book that I'm working on that I think has a lot of value in it, and I'm like, it might be the one. But I'm like, I'm not going to go buy 10,000 of them just so I can get the title because my overarching destination is helping people. So how is that book going to help people if I buy it myself just so I can get a title? You know, and so this is what we need to understand. Every single one of you has a purpose. Now, let me tell you that again. You have a purpose for being here. You have a reason. Now, if you don't believe me, and I know this isn't a religious show, so I'm not going to get off on all that. Look at nature. Nature doesn't design anything that has no purpose. You don't see a new type of bug that pops up that doesn't fit into the ecosystem of bugs that's eaten by a different animal, that's eaten by this, that's eaten by that, until all of a sudden it gets all the way up to humanity and then it goes back down, okay? It's the food cycle, you know. It's everything has a purpose. Now, that's what I want you to think about. You were put here. You didn't have a choice to be here. But you were here. Right. Okay. And if you're here, <clears throat> Let me say something you have here. a Hold reason. On a Hold on, honey. <clears throat> I agree with everything that you're saying, okay? And that's why I said earlier, much earlier on, that everyone needs to have a goal. I know Cricket's goal. I know my goal. Um, but sometimes change comes about in our life because life is life, okay? And and maybe it's time for Cricket, you know, to find something. She's put in this place right now. She's living where she is. She just has kids across the street. That's not what she was used to before, okay? 
And I don't know if she was happier before or if she's happier now. She may be more content now because life is easier and is slower, okay? It's not the same demanding, okay? But is she fulfilled? I don't think so. Um, you yes, yeah, so your... Carol, Carol knows, like, I would be surrounded by, like, 50 Good. kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and because I lived in the city for since I was 19 until a couple of years ago. For, but move, this move was is for health reasons. So I'm doing better, you know, in some aspects, still going through some things and other health issues, but mm-hmm. I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. You will, and when, because you when have I do. You, you, honey, you have the desire, just like Sonova was saying. First, we have to get out of the rut. See, I'm, me being the AM person, you know, for NASCA, I get people who are still in the rut, and some of them are comfortable. You used that word earlier, comfortable, okay, Sonova. And unfortunately, people many times are comfortable in that situation because they don't know any other situation. They don't know how to move forward. And so they just stay where they are, and then they, they, then comes acceptance. Well, this must be my life. This is the way it is. And, and they're not happy people. They can't move forward. They don't know how. And, um, and they stay where they are. And, and that's non, non-productive. It's not good for them. It's not good for their psyche. Yeah, they're going to be very sick people, physically, mentally, emotionally, all that other stuff. Because they know somewhere in the back of their brain, they know that they need and demand more than what they're getting out in true life, okay? And uh, I think a lot of us um, who go and move forward, we found a purpose. Your purpose, you know what your purpose is. I know what my purpose is. I love to learn. So how am I going to learn? I have to read. or And reading is hard on my eyes because I have one eye that's really screwed up. So, But I do it anyway. I can do it in my time. So I do a lot of research in my time, and I, I move forward that way, and I'm able to give out to other people. That makes me happy. So I know my purpose. So, um, you know, not just I – don't, I, don't, I don't mean this in a negative sense. Um, yes, I love to do shows. Yes, I've done many, many presentations. Um, I like it, and I do it when I can. Um, but I, I love research, so that was my new thing that came to light to me was that I'm meant to do a lot of research. To that, I learn, and I can teach other people. That helps fulfill me. Yeah, um, like I've been studying true crime and cold cases since I was 15. Right. And see, that, that, but for me, it's like a fulfillment. You know, I, I've, I have done something. And what you were talking about earlier, about, like, what's going to be in my, uh, when you die? <laughs> well, Look, my life was screwed up from the day I, I took my first breath, and I could never even find a time in my childhood where um, I had a happy time because I was too busy fighting to live. Started out with domestic violence and blood all over the place all the time, and then into sexual abuse and, and living with a pedophile and, and, and then having parents that were no good ever. And I can I can deal with all of their um now, today, I can deal with all of the things that they did and didn't do. Okay, I'll just put it that way, as parents, as people. And that's why, yes, it brought me to working in the places that I worked at. And I've got certificates up my butt, too. 
<laughs> but I still wasn't quite happy. I like to help people also. I think a lot of people on NASCA, and this is what draws us to shows like this, we do like to help people. So our mission in life, at least my mission in life, is to continue to do what I do. My block knows who I am now finally. I've handed out a lot of cards. People know me. They come to me and uh, in time of need and so forth. And um, so that's me uh, fulfilling my mission in life. So if I were to die tomorrow, and, honey, I plan to live to be 100, I don't know what I'm going to look like, okay? But I, I plan on being 100 because people on my mother's side of the family, and I did know she was my mother, lived to be well into the 90s, and uh, we did have a couple that lived to, to be 100. So I have that in my blood. So the way I look at it, and my father, I don't know, he wasn't my father, Sonova, because ancestry told me differently. And a couple family members throughout the years of growing up told me also. So that would just put the icing on the cake. So I don't know anything about that part of the family. I do know it on the French, Italian, and Swiss, and German. That I do know. That's all I know. <laughs> okay? And they're not on the other side. So, okay, so what do I have to do? I have to grow myself up. I have to find my likes. I have to find my dislikes. We all have disappointments in life. Um, two failed marriages that were horrific where I got beaten all the time, but, but that's where I came from because I felt comfortable. We don't see the red flags along the way. We don't see them because we grew up with them. So until we, let me finish my sentence. Until we learn to look past those red flags and understand that they are red flags, Crooked, okay? Yeah. Um, that's when the healing really begins because we're able to understand that was not right. That was not proper. What happened shouldn't have happened. And I don't want to be like them, okay? And that's where I'm mm. at. And that's where, you know, when, that's where healing really comes in. And then you're not floundering around looking for your mission because I know what my mission is because it all just came to be. It just all came to be. What makes me happy? What makes you happy? You like to go and help find missing children. This is what I've known you for some years now, and that's what I had yeah. always learned and about you, is you, you know, you, you yeah, and the others. The, the kids, yeah. I mean, in one day, like, I might get one or two missing adults that I bounce around. The majority mm-hmm. of the missing cases that pop up are children, young children. And it's a parent, guardian, adoptive mother, foster parent that mm-hmm. are why the child is deceased when they're found. A, a mm-hmm. baby can't, I mean, a, 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 what was it, I think a six or eight month old baby went missing and was found in the street. Ugh. How did that baby get out of the house? Maybe somebody put you know, him out of the house. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and thank God the child was found before it got hit by a car. God. I mean, it was literally found in the middle of the street. Just crawling around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's where my drive is. And I, I've come to realize with the advocacy work, and I think I can speak for all of us when I say this. Mm-hmm. We have in our in the palm of our hands 
what we needed when we were kids. We've become what we needed to help others. Right. I agree with that. That's where our passion comes from. Yeah. uh, When I was in group therapy, um, Mm -hmm. I was a... Got, when I was got to where I was stronger and I was talking more, they actually asked me to facilitate groups. Mm-hmm. And I was able to pick the subject, and I, I did it on abuse because people still don't talk about it. And mm-hmm. it was in a mixed group. And uh, two things that really hit me hard, like hit me more, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff, but the two things that popped out most was one thing I did was uh, with the women, um, it was called Fear in a Hat, where we, you know, had them write down their fears or maybe something that they went through, fold Mm -hmm. the paper up and put it in the hat, and then pass it around. So every, every, each of those pieces of paper was read out loud. But nobody knew who it was coming from unless they chose to tell us. And right. one of the women who was was in a domestic violence situation mm-hmm. said if she wasn't being hit, she didn't feel like she was loved. And how how sad is that to equip that you happens. Put that That's love yeah. is abuse. Love is yeah. hurt. Mm-hmm. And and the other one was a man who uh, um, he, he was raped in prison. He never told anybody until during you know one of my groups, and it made me feel really good because he felt comfortable enough to to say that. And then when we went on break, I, I obviously I had to go out and say, I'm really proud of you. I know how hard that was for you. Keep talking. Mm-hmm. That You know, I sounded like a broken record back then. Like, just keep talking, keep talking. Gets mm-hmm. easier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, people come to their own reality if they're going to heal, right? Those that don't heal don't have their own reality, you know, and, and that's, a, that's a shame because then they never heal. And reality is never, it's never easy. It's never easy, okay? It just simply isn't. Um, we have to then go and get help. Mine came through the church. It just happened to, okay? And uh, you, you know that story. So yeah. um, with those people having such a huge prayer group, there were psychologists there and stuff. So they grabbed the hold of me, honey, but my night, my hair was down to my waist almost in those days. <laughs> you know what age I am. So, okay, that was cool. They grabbed me by the back of my hair, and they said, you're a mess. And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> and they said, well, I'm going to help you. We're going to help you. And they did. They helped me see the red flags. They helped me have uh, a better perspective on life and what life should be, not what it is but what it should be, and that meant that second marriage as well. It shouldn't be, okay, because I was still getting all those filthy foul names and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I, I had to make change. We have to learn how to make change. We have to take that next step. If we want to move forward, we have to, you know, say, okay, this is where I am now, and I don't want to be here now. I'm better than I was. 
but I want to move forward. And then you go and you seek. You have to go through all different trials, errors, and and all this other stuff before you get to where you're going to be, where you're going to stay, and where you're comfortable. Where you can honestly say, and Sonova brought up a very good point, you know, not that I really care what people think because I don't. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's the way I feel, okay? Um, But whatever they write about me, first of all, I'll be dead, (laughs) okay? (laughs) I don't know what they're going to write about me. Um, and secondly, um, if they should happen to say kind, good things, because I try to be a good person, I try to be. I have a, I have a ways to go. No one's perfect. Um, but, you know, if I try to be, um, then I will have had fulfilled. I would have broken that cycle that I grew up in. My kids have already done that. They bring me a tremendous amount of joy. And that's where I get my childhood from, is from the kids I, I have my grandchildren. I have my great-grandchildren now. This is cool, all right? And and I see what it's like to have happy children and how they behave. Uh, then I, I, I learned something more of how life could have been and should have been. But it doesn't put me in bad humor. It Instead, what it does is it lets me see, you know, what can be and what should be. See, I look at it as a learning process, and I get a lot of joy that way. So I wouldn't have been able yeah. to answer her question either because I, like you, um, we didn't have a childhood, okay? Everything was all messed up, and, and I didn't have any happy times. So I had nothing to grasp onto with that. Some people do. Hopefully many people do. And then there are those that don't. But she's on hold right now. I'm going to bring her back on. And um, Yeah, I have a question for her. Yeah, hold on a second, honey. Sonova, you Okay. Yes, I lost connection about 15 minutes ago. I had to call back in. Oh, oh. see, I'm, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe because it's been so many storms. I, I really don't know. I can't answer that. But um, And I'm up very, very high, the altitude level, okay? So sometimes I I just, you know, I'm talking and I'm talking to the air. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, and I'm higher than you. <laughs> You're higher than me. I don't know. Are you higher? Than, well, maybe you are. Cause no, I don't know exactly I'm, who you I'm, are. I'm closer to the Poconos. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let, let's um, let's bring Sonova back on. And um, yeah, I have a question yeah. for her. Yeah, go ahead, honey. Sonova, you there? Sonova. Yes. Okay. Um, I want to ask you this because you're always um, talking about. Uh, your mindset, which usually I'm pretty good with, but every time I hear the word eulogy, it triggers me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because um, years ago when I had a, one of my seizures, and it was the only one I had in church, um, I I stayed away from church for quite a while because I couldn't handle it, of the embarrassment, like, this, just how we feel, you know. Mm-hmm. When you have a seizure, you feel like you're a freak show, you know. And when I, when I did come back, one of the church members who I have worked side by side with, like our rooms next to each other for years at vacation Bible school, uh, somebody had asked, him something about you know whatever and he goes oh you mean the the woman that had the seizure 
And that those words hit me so hard. It was after that that I became, you know, became a guardian angel. And all, because I, it just was like, is that what I'm going to be, be remembered as? Not for my teaching, not for my all, all the other work I've done. Seizure stuck. Uh, you guys have missed the whole point of the whole thing. It's not no, I, what they're actually going to write. It's about what you want to accomplish with your life. And you write it as somebody writing to you. So it's not about what they're going to say. It's about what do you want to accomplish with your life and write it down as if a third person is writing it. That is the concept. Sense. Now it makes sense. That's the whole yeah. point of the thing. That's mm-hmm. what yeah, I said. I... It doesn't matter what they say. You guys missed the whole point. The whole point is, it's what do you want to accomplish with your life? That's the reason why I changed it and named it a mission statement for your yeah, life like instead that. of a eulogy. Okay? Mm-hmm. So but it's yeah, a mission that, statement, and it's what you want to accomplish with your life. It has nothing to do with anybody else. And it doesn't matter what kind of childhood you had either. You can still daydream and make things as if you were a kid. What would you want? You can still do yeah. that, whether you've had but, a bad childhood or I, not. But what I'm, what I mean, like that, after that, he said that, I, I, I started stepping up more. Like I want to do this and I want to do this, and that's I just kept going. Well, he was probably didn't know your name, and that was the only thing he could think of to say. Yeah. You know, to explain. You know. Okay, well, um, I, I think we're getting close to the end of time. What time is it? I had to step away from my computer because my little B. Sean um, is barking and won't shut up. So. Uh oh. Is that your doggy that's doing that? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love our animals. I love our animals. Hey, what would I, I? I believe me, I would be totally alone without my cat. People, you know, they they don't look at cats as being the same as dogs, right? But I saved this cat. There we go. And um, she was being stoned at Sonova by kids. I wonder what homes they come from, right? Mm-hmm. So um, my husband was still alive, and I had him go out and, and, and get the cat, and she's been my baby ever since. So um, I can understand Annie with the, what she's going through because uh, she's alone too. And um, they, they like they become like little people, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, they're a big part of your life. But, um, no, somehow we, we missed that. That went over our heads or something, whatever, what you were trying to get across before. Because we were seeing, or at least I was seeing, I don't know, I can't talk for other people. But I was trying to no, picture, you, need you know, to write what people it as would if. say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Because, no, uh, and I don't care point. what people Look. think. Go ahead. Like, Go if back you're writing and about somebody else. Yeah. No, go back and listen to the replay because that's I specifically pointed that out. This is what they would say about you if you let them say something, what's your eulogy going to be written about, blah, blah, blah. But the concept is you are creating the life that you want, mm-hmm. and you write it down as a life mission statement, and you go after it. It doesn't, it doesn't pertain to anybody else. You're still looking at it in a reactive mindset versus a proactive mindset. You're wanting to actively build what you're going to do with your life. Who cares what they say? That's not the point. That's just eulogies are written by somebody else. 
So that's the reason why I changed it to a mission statement, because a mission statement, you write for yourself. Nobody else Mm -hmm. has any say in it. You write it for yourself, and then you go after it and see what happens. By the time you die, they will have something else to talk about in your eulogy, because you have accomplished great things. Okay. Well, somehow I, I didn't get it. I don't think other people understood either. But it's now, it's like I said, hold on, I had this throat thing too. <clears throat> now it makes more sense because, um, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. Anybody else have a comment? Is there anybody else well, on the Phil, line? Philip uh, hung I'm up a little here. while ago. So it's, it's you, me, and, and Cricket that are here now. Yeah, and I have cricket on the jet, on the side of the jet. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Carol, you want to finish this out for the evening? Because um, I need to leave. Okay, all right, no problem. Um, well, I didn't call in. You see, one thing about the studio, and I was supposed to teach you things, and we, we have to get together if you want to do this, um, is uh, when the person calls in. They're the one that handles the uh, the end of the show, okay? And the show isn't really quite over. So what what I'll do is if you have to go, okay, if you have to go, go ahead, and, and I'll give it a few more minutes because, actually, if my clock is right, I have um, five minutes yet. Is this okay, well, Annie usually runs the – starts running the music. I call in, and she runs the music at the end. So I don't know how you do it, but that's yeah, the no, way no, that's Annie usually no, does it for uh, me. Oh, yeah, no, I I know that. I'm aware of that, sweetie. Um, there's a way of doing things. There's a process with everything, with the studio. You don't just start mm-hmm. playing the music. You have to do the call-in numbers. You have to put the host pin number in and uh, and the guest call you, you talk about. Um, so there's ways of doing it. Now, she started, and she's down as the host, right, because she was. I was having trouble with my phone system. And um, so, therefore, she should be the one that should um, really close it out. So I'm going to let the five minutes go. You know, we can talk for five minutes. Maybe you'd like to leave a – let's do it this way. Leave a message for the people out there who heard the phone, heard the phone, heard the – you know, heard what you're saying, heard the show. And and, uh, just leave a message of hope to them because that's what we really need is hope. A lot of people out there don't have hope. My message of hope is what I was trying to say for the last hour is you don't have to live reactively. You can live proactively. You don't have to stay in the pain of your childhood. You can grow up and be a fully functional adult with childhood trauma, and you can learn how to live again without uh, having to have that torment you for the rest of your life. You can grow and become whatever you choose to be, and you can write your own mission statement. You don't have to let it be written by anybody else. There you go. And that's very well said. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what people have to learn, Sonova, is that they don't have to stay stuck, okay? Because uh, when I get the phone calls, a lot of them are stuck. And, And they're very hard to work with, okay, when people are in that mindset. So I send them the programs. I have programs that I send people to, and that's a part of NASCA. You know, I, on the website, um, anyone who's listening right now, on, on the website, I should say, and let me just bring this out because I'm going to host this out. 
Um, on the website, we do have programs. If you scroll down, get onto our website, naasca.org, that's nasca.org, and what you do is all the way over to the left of the red boxes, each red box has a different subject in it. You want the one all the way over to the left. If you choose to be with people so you can start mingling again and talking again and talking about your problems, um, every county in every state has these programs, and people are not really aware of it. So what you do, it's quite simple. All you do is open up the programs on the left-hand side, just open it up. You'll see the world spinning around, and you know you're in the right place. And we have a whole program section all throughout the United States and other countries too, but we focus on the United States. If you're from California, go to California. You click it open, and then it, it goes by um, where in California you live, okay? Find an area that's close to you or right there in your own town that you don't even know exists. Click onto it. And what happens? What happens is you'll find a whole page of programs that are available to you, telephone numbers, contact information, and it gives a small description also, too, whether it be for domestic violence or sexual abuse or, or whatever. So we do have programs out there. Bill and um, a lady from England put it together years ago, and, and that's a very good thing that uh, people can get involved with also. Of course, we have Zoom. We have this show right here where people come on and tell their stories. And then on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have people like Sonova who come on and, and uh, you know, speak about um, healing um, or whatever their topic is going to be. And um, so we, we offer a lot at NASCA. We do have these things. So now I can say good night. Tomorrow we're going to have Michelle Bless on. I believe she's going to share with us her story, which was horrific. And it uh, has also about um, all kinds of abuse, uh, you know, the, Satanism and everything else, because that's what she was a part of as a child. That was how she was brought into the world was uh, through that de demonic uh, type of religion, if you want to call it a religion. But anyway, she will be here. And I've heard her story a couple times. She's also an author. She wrote a book, Out of the Darkness, Michelle Bless Story. And um, so she'll be our guest for tomorrow. So I want to thank everyone who was listening tonight. And Sonova, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And if you'd like it, I will certainly teach you how to do the, um, well, how to run the show with the, the numbers I was talking about, okay? And um, then you'll have the same information that we do, okay? And then you'll know how to do that. So um, thank you for coming on, honey. And I enjoyed a lot of what you said. A lot of it made so much sense. I got it. And, and uh, a lot of people got it, too. So um, thank you for coming on, okay? Thank and you. We'll see. You have a good evening. Yeah. Okay, good night now. Let me see if I can run from this end here. Here we go. Love Talk Radio.